This is Brad Biggs, guitar player for the Hollis Band out of Oklahoma City, and you're listening to the Local Earshot Podcast. everybody welcome to the local earshot podcast we got a guest on today out of indiana originally she's a mic artist and the as we came to find out in our conversation she just runs the whole mic mountain and uh my gosh sorry she goes by the name uh, malaise billing and um she is um acoustic pop uh piano she's got a lot of different Styles, and styles, flavors and yeah. in there. Very, very, very talented. So um, we'll have that interview coming up here in just a second. We want to give a quick shout out to uh, a donation. Was it a twenty dollars donation? Twenty dollars. Yep. Twenty dollars donation from uh, Wade Ed Stanley. Thank you very much for that. He asked us in an email if we could find a couple of albums from a band called the El Paso Hot Buttons. What were the name of the top? You got the names of the albums off the top. Uh, so it's going to be. Um, Says Buffalo, Buffalo Business. Business. Yeah, Buffalo go. Business. And then he, he thinks the other one is called Germany. Um, I, uh, you know, just, just letting him know if he's listening. Um, I did I did find a website. I'll email you the uh, the website that had listings of all their albums that they did make back then. Um, I might have actually found the guy that he's looking for, but, um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's like reachable because his Facebook wasn't active for a very long time. So, uh, but I'll, I'll send him that information so he can try to make contact with that guy to try to get a copy of that album for him. Appreciate the donation, brother, and uh, and we'll try to try to find these things for you. Uh, see if you can, we can get them to you. So if anybody out there knows or remembers this band or these albums, man, reach out to us and we can uh, pass along the information. Uh, you want to go ahead and knock out our value for value thing before we get into this interview? Uh, yeah. Uh, so the local earshot podcast we run on the value for value system. What that means is that we don't uh, take your typical ads, and our sponsorship uh, sponsorships are limited to uh, like uh, businesses and stuff that promote the local music industry uh, and other parts of entertainment. Uh, you know your bars, venues, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they can all give donations, and and we'll 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 you know kind of promote whatever they want us to promote. Um, and then um, as for talent. Uh, if you're an artist and you're in Oklahoma or you're listening from somewhere else and you want to be on the show, then uh, email me at john at the local earshot dot com uh, and I will get back with you. And then uh, there and if and if you uh, don't like to reach through email, then you can reach Brad through Instagram uh, and he will get you set up. Uh, there's a few artists on our um, our dockets right now that that have reached out and we're trying to get them all situated and stuff and get episodes set up so it might be a what like about a month wait maybe. Uh, yeah at least two weeks out but more probably a month i think i'm looking like middle of april right now okay so, awesome. yeah a couple weeks yeah weeks. so a couple weeks uh, so i mean if you're if you're one of those artists that are listening and you and you put in and message me just you know kind of hold tight i'll get with you um uh, and and know that i'm not ignoring you or anything yeah I mean, we're, it, we're, seriously it really we does take a lot people. to do this so <laughs> yeah we, we get hit by a lot of things uh, on a daily and we run into a lot of uh, different artists and stuff so 
Um, but yeah, uh, and then if for treasure, if you want to donate to the podcast, uh, you can go to localearshot.com and there will be a tab that says donate. Uh, we take crypto and we also take Cash App and Ventmo. Um, and then, uh, you know, just earlier we were, we were talking about doing subscriptions and stuff. And so we're, we're going to probably try to come up with some ideas that can do some really cool stuff for our, our listeners and, um, you know, even local here. Maybe some shows, some other stuff. So Yeah, ever since I got on the thing with Hollis, we, we pitch ideas as a performing band. Like, how do we want to bring this show? And then I'm thinking in my mind is like, how can I bring the 13th step on for like parts of that show and then how can we use the more bands in the local earshot to promote it so it's kind of coming together it's slow uh, slow but uh i i think this is this is going to be a good year man i have a good feeling about it man yeah i just I think, think i think this is going to be a, a good year for local music oklahoma musicians and uh just music getting out and seeing a show i think i think it's going to be a a good good spring and good summer for it, and uh, pending the sky trying to murder us here in Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to go ahead and get into this uh, interview with Malaise. She is out of Bloomington, Indiana. She is with the MIC. She's on their artist list, and she's also the chick that runs the whole show. So uh, it was really, really interesting to talk to her. So if you're interested in the business side of the music industry, she's definitely got some pointers to give out to you guys. So uh, thanks again. We'll see you all down the line. All right. Thank you. We are here with uh, MIC artist out of Indiana, Malaise. Am I saying that correctly? I should have probably asked you that before we got rolling. But hey. <laughs> no, you got it. You got it. Very cool. Um Bloomington, Indiana, not a spot on the map that I would have expected to hear a pop artist come out of, but I'm glad you're with us. Um, where where did you come from originally, and um, what's happening in Indiana up there? Yeah, it's super weird. I'm in Indiana. I am from Pittsburgh. And oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why, um, actually, your, uh, Andrew Chris that you interviewed many episodes yeah, ago... Yeah. Um, he and I are both Pittsburgh artists. Yeah. So this album that we're going to talk about today, I did with him. He's my producer. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. But I, I moved here from Pittsburgh, despite being born and raised there. I moved here to Bloomington like four and a half years ago. And it's been, you know what? Pretty incredible. I'm very surprised at this little, I don't know, liberal oasis in the state of indiana it's very artsy have had no problems getting in the music scene it's except for covid but other than that yeah that's a whole nother (laughs) yeah yeah oh it destroyed it destroyed the we the scene in oklahoma city uh, really the the radius kind of if you draw a line from oklahoma city to tulsa and do a radius around that it's kind of where our talent pool is and it covid completely destroyed it i mean um outside of the very few national acts that would come through if they could get the financial support to do it it was pretty much closed down outside of a bar bar gigs you know so did it did it i mean india the where we live in the country is definitely more um conservative and um in the last cycle of things through COVID, the more conservative areas have been less authoritative in their 
and their laws and their municipalities. So how's it been in Indiana? Oklahoma, the, the rules were pretty loose, but there was a fear of there's the people not getting out. Yeah, about the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a weird couple of years in that sense. And whenever I call this like an oasis, it is just because it's it's just so, so different. It can be so different than the rest of the state. You drive 10 minutes out of town and you feel like you're in a whole different place. Yeah. But I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea that in our country, the, despite how much we can be divided on things, I mean, we still all go to the farmers markets and mingle with the all all the people from all around the state um there's a lot of i don't know coexisting in that sense and especially art i find i'm sure you find this too um brings people together no matter what's going on politics and world events we can all go to a show because we like how it makes us feel so i love that about music yeah and yeah especially uh, through the covid era so to speak and and now in in current times i mean it's uh it's it was good to see that no matter what like people still eventually do want to get out and go see a show it's taken a, a little while but um at least in oklahoma you know we've had a, a week um, leading up to this last couple nights uh we have really beautiful weather and i mean that makes a huge difference in in people getting out of the house and wanting to go just do stuff and and i'm just glad to see it's finally kind of starting to gears are starting to turn a little bit you know and i've noticed it on the show it's hard for us to we usually book like a couple of weeks maybe a month out and i've noticed it's getting we want. We need to go further and further out with bands because they're getting gigs, and I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm glad to see that. So, um, how how is it as far as are you getting any touring? Or are you still are you like hanging locally? What do you what's your uh, what's the method to your madness coming out of COVID here? Well, actually, it's very similar to what you just said in the sense of like everybody's coming out of the ground, like those little crocuses, you know. Like, right now with the spring and with the mandates changing and all that um i am extremely excited because next weekend i have my album release show for the album that just came out today awesome um, we will we'll definitely yeah. tag that Our, unfortunately the yeah. episode will be a couple weeks out but we'll definitely get up that's okay but well, this one this one will be out we're gonna drop it today yeah, yeah well no oh. Monday, monday oh monday monday or oh, tuesday right. yeah yeah, yeah oh. we're on we 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 normally schedule like we're usually ahead, but then we had somebody we had a snowstorm and it fell through, and so you know snowstorms so. last week, yeah. tornadoes today. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. dude, <laughs> yeah, it's craziness. Well, man, I mean, okay, so you came out of Pittsburgh and landed in Indiana, and you're kind of making a spot there. Um, how long have you been playing? Like, what? where did you get started in music, and when did it hit you that, you know, this is something I think I could really do? Oh, my gosh. So, okay, I was, like, from a musical family. Uh, I think that's pretty important to say because we had piano in our living room. We were always um, listening to my dad's vinyl collection downstairs in the den and dancing around on the couches and stuff. Um, just a very musical family. My dad is a radio DJ and a drummer and my mom, um, church organist. So it was my sister. And so I, I was just always like playing music, especially the piano. My mom gave up trying to teach me when I was like in preschool. Um, 
I would be a brat. <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't want to play that scale again. And she's like, I'm not teaching you piano anymore. So That's I actually all piano is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like ended up figuring out what guitar tabs were in by like looking at sheet music and like my children's songs, movie songs books. So I figured out playing piano. Very grateful that I did that. Because I always wrote in like journals and diaries. I had so many feelings from such a young age. I just wanted to write them all down all the time. And I still write every day. Ooh, here, I'll show you. Um, this is my recording. I know that you can't see this on the podcast, but oh, I'm I can my actually. Uh, yeah, I got a camera now. I'm good. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, so I have like my shelves and shelves of books because I've just been keeping notebooks since I was just just so little um and sometimes they're like journals but sometimes they're just my they free form and other weird kind of writing in fact i just released a music video today where i use like snippets of some of my notebook pages because sometimes i'll just like straight up go into sketches um that's why i sketch a lot and i have this like map of oh yeah i'm wearing one of my map um t-shirts right now or sweatshirts right now yeah um but so i just always did it i always wrote and then i was playing piano all the time so i just started writing you know unrequited love ballads from the kid that rode the bus with me that I had a crush on. Just of writing course. lots of Like of all course. great love ballads start out, obviously. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And so I just always was writing music. And I remember one day when I was real little holding like a CD in my hands and just looking at the liner notes. And I knew, I, I was just like, I'm going to do this one day i i've never really thought more about it than that i was like i just am going to be a musician and make albums and do this thing but then i went to business school and you hop forward because and i know uh was it jonathan did you go to business school yeah uh my degree's in uh man- business management and um uh, human resources yeah okay yeah okay um well i went to business school at the university of pittsburgh because i was like i know i want to be a musician but i don't even know where to start i'm reading like all the, these books and stuff and Ugh. I just none of it's insanely helpful in a strategic do this then this then this then this kind of way. It's just Ugh. kind of all vomiting like of, information. That's what is. I call it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's your job so, to align it. You know? Like I, I get more from the business books that I read and all the books that my sister that owns like a real estate company gives me all the time than I've ever gotten from college. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's funny. Well, the, the well, being a business minded or a business educated person has got to given you kind of a leg up on on running into being a musician and now marketing on on social media and all that is an, just insanity. And it's something just my personal experience with music. I stepped away from music for about 13 years and 14 years, and I'm just now going back into it. And I swear to God, it feels like I'm standing at the base of a mountain with... Yeah how to market a band like used to you just go to the local show and hand out flyers like hey check us out it's way more complicated than that nowadays that's just one way of doing it, <laughs> you know yeah well wait a second you just said staying at the base of a mountain did you just say that metaphor like yeah that's how it feels as far as like oh my marketing uh, online and all that stuff i don't know much about it oh my gosh i know I know. Well, Brad, it's insane <laughs> that you say it that way too, because, okay, so you mentioned MIC, Music Industry Connected, Mike. So what I like didn't say before we started recording, well, actually, what I really didn't say is that my dog's about to bark, and at some point I was going to need to stand up and give her a bully stick from across the room. So please excuse <laughs> oh, me for we that. Got, uh, my dogs <laughs> are hanging out with us in here too. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was as soon as I start talking, she wants me. What kind of which dog? Is wonderful. Oh, a little black lab puppy. Oh yeah. See? Yeah, sure, sure. Oh she yeah. Is. Labs are the what? best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really what about your what's I your got little dog? schnauzers. They're I don't know, they're around here somewhere. They're laying on the floor. <laughs> they're the laziest oh, high energy dog I've ever had, ever. <laughs> like one eighty flips? Like oh, energy yeah. and then lazy. Well, yeah, they'll burn their energy yeah. off. It takes about ten minutes, and then they'll sl- they'll just you. lay down and sleep. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that's lovely. But um, yeah. What I was what I was gonna say before is the fact that you used that metaphor is just the best because I said I went to business school because I knew I was gonna figure out the music career thing. Um, but I also felt like this. I have this penchant for organization and I make process manuals and I make things really efficient. Like I, I just can't help but do that. It's who I am making lists and cleaning them up. And so I was, I, I understood that I was going to figure out how to be a musician, have a really good process for it. And if I was going to go through all that work, I wanted to share it with other people too. It just seemed like a waste of time to have everybody recreating the wheel all the time. Mm-hmm. And for the pretty much the only materials out there about music industry books to be more like subject matter expert specific things like dot here's a book about touring here's a book about publishing but i really wanted something to offer people that was like how to see the whole music or the whole industry so it didn't feel as daunting as like looking up at a mountain and so after i graduated and i was doing all my music i'm um, figuring it all out and um i i started a company called Mike. That's my company. Oh, Um, yeah. And I did it with a lot of different interns and musicians all around Pittsburgh. Um, Both an intern and a local musician was Andrew Chris. Um, He was one of my um, one of my first interns back in the day. And we just did a lot of experiments. And uh, we call our little process manual the mountain. Oh. Because of what you said, <laughs> so it's really wild that you said it that way. Well, it's—I mean, it's accurate, you know. Um, and I, I'm no—I'm no slouch uh, when it comes to technology. I'm, I mean, I'm an electrician by trade, but um, when it comes to marketing and social media and and really, you're selling you i mean really that's what you're selling yourself and so you got to have all these different um angles about it and it's something that on the surface it just seems so easy and then when you really get into it you're like oh shit like this is this is a lot of work (laughs) yeah but i think i think it's sheer volume too you said a lot of work it's it can be so exhausting yeah so much at once and uh when it was like trying the old metaphor of you know drinking from the garden hose one sip at a time you know but sometimes it can just be so overwhelming my brain just shuts down and i just log out and that's it i'm (laughs) system 404 not found like it's just (laughs) (laughs) which is the healthy thing honestly kind of like good for you because most people just push themselves until they're like ramming their head against the wall yeah well well, and then it can just be a a tornado in your head you know like you said you're 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 one to make lists and clean up those lists and i'm the exact opposite of that i'm one okay (laughs) i think i can just remember this and i'll get to it by the end of the day and by the time 
It's just a disaster. I'm I'm just the tech solutions guy. So, like, if somebody asks me how to do something, I try to find a solution for them. (laughs) It's even more organized than mine. I'm a disaster, (laughs) man. So, I mean, that's got to come in handy. And it's for a musician, too, because if you're self-promoting or, like, you're running the MIC and other artists, then you're taking on not only all of your problems, but all of theirs professionally, too. So, um I guess the question I'm trying to ask is like, how do you, hmm, how do you manage to to do that and you know not pull your hair out, or at least get to the point of doing that like mm-hmm. I am? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, um, well, I, I, that is the question, right? Um, I grew up with a dad that always said like life is an either or. So t- our, our resources of time, energy, money. I'm always thinking about how throughout given day you only have so many hours of real productivity like we're talking like you have your coffee you're focused and then you have so many hours if you just need to rest and and you only have so much money in your budget and uh, at the end of the day what i do is i use the mountain okay so the mountain i said it's like a process manual which is like a weird word to just imagine like um a six steps of how to envision doing this whole thing. It's a, okay. So you're an electrician. You had to go to trade school, correct? Yep. yep. For, for how long? A couple of years. And you had to take different courses, classes, probably different levels, right? Yeah. But then you left and you're like, now I like understand the landscape of all of what to do with my career of being an electrician, right? Sort of. Yeah. Uh, or at least you mean, I, so- I know where to, I know I can go get a, a, a job. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, I guess I don't know. It seems like getting into music is different in that there there's no defined path. You know, it's yeah. just oh, we'll just start a band. And I'll tell you, when I was young and started a band, it was I was in a band with a bunch of other young guys, and the it was not business minded to say the very least. It was we're just going to party, and and one of these days someone's going to pay us a bunch of money, right? That's how it works. That's how it works for all the bands out in L.A. <laughs> But it's, it's, uh, as an electrician, you have people that guide your career and they have the best intentions in mind at all times or most times, overwhelming times and music. There's a lot of people with very ill willed intentions and they come across as very genuine. And it's, it's something I saw very young and it turned me off to the whole scene very, very early. So um, You're so right. As far as avoiding those types of people, it's good to see someone come along that like setting that type of thing up. Like you have, if you do these steps, you will be a professional musician. Might not be a multi multi millionaire, international selling out the world, but what do you want? You know, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, and um, you're so right. There's so many toxic creepy people in our industry people can be mean people even, can be so mean even at just the even at the local level i mean we're not talking uh-huh. we're not talking like <laughs> right? millions of dollars on the line for this gig you know like why do people have to be like that i got an email the other day from like another local level the email just said no without a period without anything like i had crafted this whole like really cool pitch for a collab and he just responded, no. And all I could think is like, oh, you're missing out, man. 
And if you're burning bridges like this, you're not going to make it. What the hell? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, and that's speaking of, of that type of thing. And the first round with MIC, we dealt with y'all um, for Andrew. We got the email and Jonathan even sent me a snapshot of it. And he goes, this is either a, actually a very professional place or this is a scam. And I read it and I'm like, that seems legit, man. Yeah, yeah. I looked I look deep into it before I was like, yeah, I'll email this back. But I, I was like, initially, I'm like, I do not know, man. That was and the then, first formal like email we ever we, got. We're like, huh. We just started and we're not like, you know, like we're doing this out of like a room inside his house, you know. So like it's 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 crazy. But we appreciate that you felt that we were that professional. Uh, uh. <laughs> OK, so my my uh, press interns that found you, they were like, look, it's actually a podcast that's doing like a feature on local musicians. And they're not just trying to squeeze in some other ulterior motive which is understandable sometimes somebody's trying to pitch something or do playlisting and that's not a bad thing but what you were doing was so authentic and genuine that it did stop them in their tracks so it was a real email man i appreciate that that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's rare it's really uh, rare out there oh and, and what i was going to say too is you're really right about how like the electrician that you're getting trained for something it's different in the music industry because even the people who go to get a degree in music industry related careers it's there is not a degree for how just to be an indie singer song indie artist uh, artist or band we no. call it a frontline musician yeah, somebody right, who's right. like you know yep. they're right on the front you're not the engineer in the background or anything like that and um there is not a degree for that because it is so strange and you also write that it does work out in a, in LA or, or New York city for some bands where they end up being able to just do the creative and people are taking care of all the business stuff. But right. what I think is super cool about this time of history is, well, it kind of sucks because you do have to either get insane luck or nepotism or like big rolling in it kind of funds to immediately get people who are going to do all the business. So you can just do the art. That, that sucks that it's like the tiniest, tiniest percentage of luck and money and all that. But what's actually really cool about right now is that the mountain teaches at the end of it is like, go after your definition of success, enjoy doing the thing. But you know what? If you want to like compete, compete, we'll tell you what labels are doing right now. They're expecting you to create an EPK electronic press kit. And fill it up with all these like stats, your social medias, your YouTube views, your touring, your accolades, your press quotes, all these kind of mm -hmm. things and pitch it to them because they want to ride the train that you've already started rolling down the tracks. They're not create even the indie labels. The big indies are not just pulling an artist out of oblivion now, you know, 900,000, 990. Oh, I shouldn't have done that many numbers. Nine times out of 10 much higher than nine times out of 10. They're not doing that. Um, they are because, because everything is just so saturated, you know, this. like it'll move so quickly now. So they're waiting for somebody to build something first and have proof of product. And then they might sign you in. Um, but if you play the game a little and you can't, there are certain ways we call like step five of the sex. Um, it's called data climbing. Cause you're not just climbing the mountain for your art. You're like climbing it data wise. Right. With all this stuff. 
and, and we kind of split it up into specific milestones that you can like just play the game and it is possible it's weird you kind of have to like like suck it up a little and do some cringy things like extra hashtag work and yeah, stuff like that yeah. which some people do find cringy um which is fine um but you just do it you get the milestone you can back off you don't have to do that crap anymore um but it is cool that you can play the game and mostly you know um let me ask both of your opinions what's your opinion about how spotify shows listener stats like numbers of streams of songs what would what, what both of you feel about that uh me personally i'll go first i don't really even pay attention to it on our show <laughs> right. um how do i feel about it is there like business model <laughs> it's a good way to piss off all the artists that you have on your streams <laughs> uh, yeah what do you think um i mean so uh, whenever i whenever i look at spotify and everything with even just the podcast uh, the way that they do podcasting um they don't you don't show your streaming numbers on podcasting. I only see download numbers. So mm. I only know how many downloads happened to our episode. That was an actual tangible file that somebody put on their computer or on their phone or whatever they had to do through their, their podcast app to play it. Um, and so I only see those numbers. I don't see the streaming numbers. And uh, Adam Curry from uh, No Agenda, he actually created podcasting, and he talks about that too, that you can, you can tr- uh, track – uh, certain information they have apps out there that will track that information. Spotify, uh, like they can, you can pump your numbers because you can you can actually pay people to go in there and listen to your stuff or load a playlist and it'll just play a song and people will skip it. But what really matters isn't how many people have listened to your song. How far did they get through a song before they hit the next? You know, the fast forward or whatever. Their stats, they'll always pull all that information. So you, you don't know if people really are listening to your music or just skipping it. And um, and so and, – and I mean when it comes to like just the overall numbers, I, I, uh, I was told early on with this um, – and I wouldn't be doing it for a year if it wasn't for this um, – was, uh, was that like – um, a random, random call out name thing. But uh, I was, I was on. I used to watch um, Gary Vee, and Gary Vee had a uh, had a, a little show called The Show, right? And I sent him a, a message one day it, through a text, and I expect to get a message back. And he sent me a message back, and he said, you know, don't worry about the numbers. It, 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 he said, he said, just keep doing what you're doing because over time, the, you'll notice that the the change, right? Well, I, I go out to a bar. And my friends tell me, hey, man, uh, blah, 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 said they listen to your podcast. You guys are doing awesome. You know, like the fact that like there's actual tangible information there keeps us going. But whenever you look at the numbers, it's like, well, you know, some episodes I got 100, I had 100 downloads. Another episode I got 2,000 downloads, you know. So it it really depends. I I don't know how many actual listeners I actually have on this show. I really don't. So. I would just figure I would go crazy if I was to go through what the thought process that he just described, and that's why I don't. That's why. I don't. Yeah, that's why I'm the guy. I'm, the guy, I'm that side of the of the process. My brain works in this way. It, uh, yeah. it sees things that I'm not that know. much data savvy when it comes to that. I know it's important. Obviously, you have to track your listeners, but uh, oh, you just got something from Zoom here. Oh, does it do the? Removes the forty-minute time limit. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, it won't go We're away. only at twenty-six minutes, so it won't should go away. There. 
And if not, we'll just reconnect anyway, if we have to. Well, God dang it. Come over here and remove this thing, will you? <laughs> you damn Mac users, I swear. <laughs> I say that, I have an Android phone, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, what did I do wrong? <sighs> Whatever. All right. There's a little X, and you just tap that little X, man. Little See, I'm not tech savvy. <laughs> oh, okay, so John, you just opened up such an extra can of work because you said the thing about not caring about numbers too. Okay, okay. So this is what I was gonna say. I didn't even think about how with your podcasting on Spotify, there's a whole different thing of stats and numbers too because. I work with all these musicians and myself, I go through it all the time of understanding the role of these uh, stats in Spotify. I used to just really be kind of normal level human bitter about the idea that the big corporation is creating a competitive playground to keep indies looking less official in a whole new numeric way compared to a lot of the major label artists where they are pumping money just like you said there's ways to there's so many ways to trick the playlist system and send fake listens yeah, even mean, though early on early on i fell into that trap i i was looking at like fiverr and i was like man i need likes for my facebook page and then i started like looking at those things and i was like oh 50 likes but then what but then they 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 wipe that stuff and then you and and, and yeah. you, you kind of feel guilty for doing it because you're like i just paid a bunch of fake accounts and then you realize you know it's not worth it it's not worth the money it's not worth the time it's not it's not worth the likes because the software does remove those accounts over time and so then your numbers start yeah. dropping justin beaver is a good example because he he like apparently got found on YouTube by some dude but his parents actually paid for a ton of <laughs> like this company to go in and like pump his likes on on YouTube initially and so that's always why they found later on that that's always why he got famous is because people thought that people liked it and then and then YouTube turned around and removed the dislike button because of political reasons or things that they don't want to see on YouTube, right? So they're trying to make it and, and hide things that people don't like. Like if the president says something people don't like, they're, they're like you know, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, they'll say something and they'll do something that you don't like. And if the, and if that website want, don't want you to see it, they just remove the button altogether. And so now the, a lot of artists are complaining about YouTube because they're saying you know, in all fields, um, in mostly podcasting and in like a lot of the video ones, because they're like, I want to know if people don't like what I'm doing. So I know what to do to change, and and YouTube huh. took that away. They don't even give the user to, the ability to turn it back on. So you yeah, can't, that's very interesting. I didn't yeah. like actually notice that. I did not notice that. I forgot that there was a dislike button. Well, um, that that's the Justin Bieber example is really good um, too. Of how there's these games is, is what I'm getting at with um, stats, and his parents played the game. They right. got no. him a. They got him what we call it, Mike, a lift, as if it's like a ski lift shooting you up the mountain faster. Mm -hmm. A lift activity is something that like does kind of just shoot you up your career faster. So his was getting noticed by wasn't it Usher that found him? Uh, it was uh, some manager that was like of all the big artists and stuff. He was just online on YouTube looking for people to. I just want to. I want to take this moment and thank uh, Justin Bieber's parents for giving the world Justin Bieber. <laughs> Nice clap. <laughs> the money will do. Hey, man. You know. Anything Those Canadians, you man. You got to watch uh, out. They're sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, um, oh my God. you know, 
in a way, I kind of can't believe how obvious it is once you get into the industry where you notice that money can buy you pretty much anything. Once you find out the secrets, there's all these folklore about so many other artists that I love talking about. But like sometimes I'm like, this is folklore. So I'm not totally sure if it's just gossip or not. But de- definitely like parents bankrolling things like getting people on getting kids or yeah, young people onto top 40 radio and, and stuff. Um, so uh, um, uh, all of that is to say, I it took me a long time to really get this way because I'm all about authenticity. Like we were saying with your podcast, that's why you appeal to Mike. Um, I'm all about authenticity and uh, integrity in art and in your business. I'm also, I also think it's just a freaking waste of time to be rude to people in business because we're all just humans and we can make this fun. And so I, I, that's why I can't tolerate people who are toxic and like really mean, but all of that, especially the integrity and authenticity, Sometimes in my early experiments with Mike over the years, since 2013, when I founded it, um, it would hold us back from being able to play the game of what the industry is in some little ways. And we noticed that it would hold musicians back. Let me give you an example. If you have really, if you're a musician and you have really low social media or Spotify stats, whatever it is that somebody like a journalist that you're pitching yourself to, or sometimes podcasters, um, or some other playlister, you're pitching yourself to them. If you don't have like high enough stats in their eyes, they won't even give you the time of day, which is such a, like yeah. a chicken before the egg phenomenon. What a problem! We've noticed right? that it, you'll even if your if your numbers are up one week, say we've seen it with us. If we have a artist that locally is is more is popular, you know, they've been around a lot of years. You'll see our numbers go way up because most of our listeners are local and they see a name they recognize. They're going to click on it like anything else. And then the following week, if it's someone we're trying to bring on to introduce to them, we'll see the numbers drop, but our podcast will actually get kind of buried. Even if we're sharing it, like it'll still get buried. Yeah. Facebook, Facebook, if if you don't boost your uh, post or whatever, like they're trying to get money out of you. So like if if you Mm. try to push it and so I try to push on multiple social media accounts, but I, I, I've been trying to find, that's why I started doing like my, um, now I, I kind of do a Facebook post, but I do it through Facebook's app because they want people Mm. to stay uh, Facebook created a podcasting app recently. So they, they want people to stay on Facebook. But I, I give people the link and I give them the little like you know uh, thing and I go on every single Facebook group and I mean similar to like what you were saying where people just just say no or are oh well we don't like that. Um, there's local groups here on on Facebook that like they they say local bands and I get on there and I say hey this band's doing a show on Friday just check out our episode number blah 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 we had a conversation with them check them out and then I'll get a message back. Uh, your your post doesn't match our admin rules or whatever. And I said, it does exactly what your, your group says it do. And the person says, says yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want you guys posting that stuff on my gatekeepers. page. Gatekeepers. Yeah, and it's like, so gatekeepers. you want to so be the gatekeeper, but here's the problem. I know how to jump fences. So I, <laughs> I, I'm just going to go to another group. I'm, I'm, there's a thousand of them out there. And guess what? The ones that are helping each other, whenever I uh, like helping each other, like, uh, like one of the uh, group admins, whenever I just hit all the groups, uh, he hit me up and his group was called like musicians finding musicians. And I said, and I said, okay, well, um, I go, sorry that I posted my episode to your, to your page. Cause it was just promoting music. Um, I was like, but 
am I okay to like go on there and say, hey, this band's looking for a, a you know guitarist. This band's looking for this. And he said, yeah. And I go, cool. I go, you are allowed to go on our group and post anything mm-hmm. you want. We don't care. As long as it's not offensive and it doesn't make people mad, I could care less as long as you're not bringing political stuff into it. Because because the one thing that I that I that I hate about like whenever we get in a conversation is if somebody wants to make everything about politics and things going on in the world. I want to I want to bring the music scene back. I don't I don't care about what's you know like a lot of that stuff anymore because I, I'm focused on the music. So we um, had a healthy scene in Oklahoma um, right up until about. It was before COVID, but when it really collapsed, but COVID just shot it in the fucking head. Um, gosh, what do you figure, about 2018, 2017? Yeah. We had a real healthy scene, and then it's, I don't know if people, I mean, people move and everything, but one of the things we've seen through COVID was um, a lot of musicians have moved to, like, the Central Plains region, and, and so we're seeing kind of a talent rush recently so i'm i'm excited to see why what's going to happen coming up but um to that end it's like how do you how do you have a network and have companies that help an industry or a scene that doesn't exist that's kind of the problem we're having in oklahoma um i don't know how it is in indiana um as far as as far as locally like putting like getting a gig and having an artist that can sustain themselves pay the bills playing music that is something that is kind of hard to find in Oklahoma for a local artist it is here yeah it is here too i'd say pretty much around the world literally everywhere it's actually really 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 difficult to have a music career and pay the bills um and that's kind of what like the mountain is about um, in the sense that I think two of the secrets are publishing and sync licensing. That's how you can actually really monetize your money because touring is for sure. Like the number one at the end of the day, that's the Holy grail of money. Right, oh, right. you can sell merch, such a big, such a big um, uh, amount of profit from your merch. Um, but that's time away and i mean there's a balance there you know yeah it's hard to get touring up and rolling because it is also time and energy it's not it's not even just business it's in your whole entire life as opposed to sync licensing and publishing which you can do at home on your computer and live a normal like life in your home sometimes people need to stay home because they have like sick family or something you know so um it is it's possible that's the kind of like my whole thing that I'm really passionate about. Um, cause I do it. It is possible to have a music career that you live off of. Um, do you both know a lot about sync licensing or publishing? Uh, publishing a little, not sync licensing. No, no. Yeah. I'm um, still learning. So, well, what I was, what I want to kind of say too, is there are two things that you do not need anybody else's buy on to get, um, pretty much. So what I mean by that is what we were just talking about with stats. Um, There is a way you can play the game. And that's actually the kind of the cool thing about Spotify. I've come around and understood, you know what, even though Spotify made this competitive playground and it does benefit them because people are showing loyalty, pushing people to Spotify because they want their stats higher. They're pumping money into the payola that is playlist, even though they're doing all that. It is cool that indies have a shot to get numbers and be up on a pedestal and people's Mm -hmm mental you know kind of group think ways um of viewing them via spotify so that's cool and it is cool 
Oh, I don't take credit for that. My one friend who's a, a business person for Apple, um, he convinced me of that. Um, Brandon, thank goodness for him. Because um, I was kind of being kind of vision like a musician, but he, he's right. Business, if you zoom out sometimes, it is freeing to think of it from the positive side. And then on social media, same thing. You can play the game, get the listeners, do some cringy things. Um, for the sake of getting up just high enough stats that people will take your music seriously and you're up on that next level in their heads, and then you can push your artistic agenda. Now, in a good way, right? Right. Um, but sync and publishing are two of what I call two pockets of the five pockets of the industry that are like subject matters that once you like as a musician go in and learn these like five pockets, you can decide how much time you want to do in these different things. Um, and this kind of falls into the mountain journey on step four. And I just say that because the whole thing is about like step one, two, three, just getting all your like crap in line. Just setting up the foundations. You have to do accounting. So you have to make an accounting doc and get an LLC and blah, 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 blah. So you won't get sued one day. Or if you do get sued, you know what to do. Um, and claim your income, all that. Um, and also setting up your online world. You know, that's just what I'm saying is once you're actually doing the thing after all this setup's happening and you're in the music career, um, there are these five pockets of touring, publishing, sync licensing. Um, I always slow down trying to remember the other ones. PR and playlisting and PR and playlisting and touring all have to do with, you know, you're pitching your stuff, you're working with other people. Um, you're getting them to give you something you want and you need their buy on for those things. But sync licensing and publishing are different. Sync, uh, so publishing, you are, um, you are a musician, right, right. Brad. Jonathan, I was looking at your bio. Are you a musician too? Uh, no, I'm a. He's, uh, I I I worked at Live Nation, and uh, he's and, been in it from like the backline and management side of things. Yeah, I've been in I, it from more like the performer. When I was uh, when I was a teenager, I used to uh, promote local bands. I used to walk, uh, print off flyers yeah. off a home printer and and go out to like. Uh, go out to like the mall and walk up to people and be like, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend?" And they'd be like, "I don't know." And I'm like, "You're going to a show." And I'd hand them a flyer and just walk around doing that street team type stuff. Um, kind of got the idea from like how uh, Lincoln Park got big. That's how they kind of did it. They did a lot of street teams. Um, and then uh, and then I I did play in a band shortly. I mean, like and learned that I was really bad at guitar. Um, back in high school uh called thorning amy uh there was a really good band out here a metal band called uh kismatic um this guy eddie tucker is one of the most best drummers i've seen in my life but like uh but they uh they they kind of broke up and they uh, i was i was in a, a house party one time and i heard this sound in the back room and it was like it sounded like like it was they were playing a tool song so like um one of the, the tool songs and i was like is that the radio and they were like, I don't think so. And I walked into the other room, and there's a band just playing, like, Tool cool. perfectly. And I'm like, how, how what? You know, and, and, and that was, like, one of my first, like, local band type of experiences. And from there, I just I just kind of started joining the scene. And I had a lot of friends that worked in the scene. And then, and then times got hard, and I joined the military. So, like, kind of gave it up for about 10 years. Um, and, but back in 2006, 2007, I started more bands, uh, media and, and I built a website and originally I was, I was, uh, I, I helped make the code that, that created like Oklahoma rocks and stuff like that back before I left Oklahoma. And so, I mean, I, I, my, my idea is that 
like I want to create like a social media website for artists that they can go to that they don't have to have ads they don't have to pay you know the all the things and and on my pockets I don't really want to have deep pockets I want to I want to just have enough money to be happy and so like for me charging somebody a hundred dollars for a website build you know or, or thousands of dollars it just isn't fair to me I'm like if it's going to take me 30 minutes to build this like because I already have it all pre-built why would I charge a band that that's not fair to them you know and in the industry and so like but but right now that's what a lot of it is it's it's just what can they get out of them, you know, money-wise? Like, that's what a lot of it's been. Um, I've noticed that with podcasting. I've noticed that with business in general. I mean, it's just a lot of greed going on. So I don't want to be that guy. You- I don't want to do it. I don't want to, I don't want to be greedy. I don't like ads. I, that's why we do value for value. I even tell artists um, on your stage, put value for value instead of the tip jar, uh, right? Because you might have a fan come in the show, paid $5 at the door. If they don't know that you actually are are like saying, "Hey, like this is my career. I want to do this," like it shows seriousness of career. Whenever you do those things, whenever you actually like, uh, you know, get up there and say, "Hey, like, um, you know, we're blah blah blah." Uh, this there's a chip jar here, but it's like it's a value for value jar. So give us what you feel that this performance was worth. If somebody gives you a dollar, that's their value of the, of the event. If they give you twenty dollars right uh that like um like no the way that adam curry explains it is that starting out they didn't make a lot of money you know like he was living off the money of his mtv career but after that people started making thousand dollar donations every episode every week they're giving thousand dollar donations to these people and it's because there's people out there that believe in what they're doing and so they're like i will give my money to that you know and and so there's no reason to do ads like i don't i don't like ads so (laughs) But. You are so much of a godsend. Like, I was going to say that when you were talking about the flyering and stuff, because, oh, my gosh, it is underrated how much work it is to flyer and promote a show. And you were just doing it for your, like, friends? For You're fun. the best. Yeah, it was just fun <laughs> to do. Holy crap. I mean, you know, I do a lot of so free. I, I, believe me, Brad gets on to me sometimes that I need to be charging people for, for some of the things I do for <laughs> them because I, I make flyers for people and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, it's just... I don't know. We're trying to build a whole. We're basically trying to rebuild an entire scene in Oklahoma. I mean, it, it is completely shattered, from pop to yeah. country to metal. It's it's fractured. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and all the I, all the main people are working together too here. They like uh, your bookers. They all talk to each other now. Promoters. I, I have like three or four promoters that I talk to, and and they cool. they bring me people, you know, to interview. And they that is one way, thing I will say. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, is different coming out of COVID versus before. Is is there's a lot more cohesiveness as far as bands helping other bands get the gig, sharing gear, you know, whatever it takes to to go out and do your thing because like. There's not a lot of other options, you know, and before, before all this, there was almost like a, I don't want to say like a, a cut your knees off kind of competition between bands, but it was, it was head to head. Like there was a contest of who's going to sell the most tickets, who's going to get the better billing and, and that type of thing. And I mean, that's still there, but right now the, just being on a stage at a venue is kind of a good thing. Cause a lot of bands haven't had that opportunity in a while, you know? I love that they're working together. That's great. Um, I haven't like totally personally seen that yet here, but I hope that is kind of like a full. 
coming yeah. out of COVID. Thing. Coming out of it, it's it. Hopefully, it helps. You know, just kind of bring things around, and and with that, we'll see more content, more albums, more this, more shows, more whatever. You know, so yeah. Um, I'm oh hopeful. my gosh, I'm hopeful this year. I'm. <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing that you should be hopeful about is like as doom and gloom as it is to even still a lot of musicians to be stuck at home. Like some people, um, you know, still can't tour because they have to keep themselves super clean for maybe sick loved ones, stuff like that. Right. So it's still not going to go full throttle, um, for every single person, music industry. So how do you still go after careers? Um, and what I, all I was going to say before about publishing and sync being like options for making money so you can live off your music Publishing just means distributing yeah, and yeah. Um, collecting royalties. Those two things. And public, uh, distributing is like, um, if you're a musician, you know, you go to like DistroKid or CD Wave or whatever and upload your music so it gets distributed everywhere and then upload it to Pandora or the other places. Distributing. But the second part, royalty collection, usually trips everybody up because they assume they're collecting all their royalties, but they actually didn't sign up for all the places or they don't know about certain royalties when the truth is, I can even play an open mic set for 10 minutes. And if it's at like a venue that pays a PRO license, because it's a music venue, I can go and register that set list and get royalties from it. I'll make a few hundred dollars a year just based off of playing open mics casually. So royalties, especially from um, uploading your music and distributing it worldwide, it's it's more lucrative than then people really know because they're not always collecting all of the royalties that are out there. Oh my gosh. Do you know about black boxing? Mm -mm. I don't know if anything makes my blood boil more than this. Do you know? So Indies, they're uploading tens of thousands of songs a day to to distributors like, Oh, sorry. To DSPs like um, Spotify and all that. And money's getting generated. Those DSPs have to set aside money for those streams. They set aside that money, um, whether well, it's all it's DSPs and it's also other places like digital satellite radio, Pandora, stuff like that. Any place that has to pay for the use of your music gives that money to a certain like agency or whatever, and it gets put into a pot waiting for you to come collect it. And if you don't come as an indie musician, you don't know enough about how to do this. You don't know to go on that certain website, make a certain log and then register the song, all that work. You don't know that. The money sits in that pot for usually around three years. And then the agency just goes, you know what? I guess that indie musician's not coming. We better just shift all that money to the top earners of the industry. So literally, the money that indies don't collect for their music that they are owed, if they don't collect it, it gets sent to Kanye, hmm. to Taylor. Like, it's... It sounds like it's those un- those mail mail order schemes that they all did back in the nineties, like all our moms used to sell. Like I don't know, some of them are still around. Avon and Cincy, and that it's it's a pyramid scheme. It's just legal. Yeah, <laughs> it's because they have it, money. It is. <laughs> it is super sketchy, but they they say and there's like always people that are lobbying, trying to get the legislation a little better on all this, um, and to change it so that they have to hold it longer. You know, like that, like three years isn't a very it's a very arbitrary amount of time right well so one of my favorite things to teach um musicians and i and i teach all my interns um i have interns around the world because people ever since actually very lucky with covid because people were down for zoom internships once covid started so i have people from the philippines and italy and spain denmark it's great and all across the country um and mexico um and what i teach them 
is like, here's just, my gosh, this is what I do is malaise. You just go in, go to these websites, do these certain things. And now you've collected like all your royalties. So that money will just be passive income that you'll get like quarterly checks and stuff. And if you can do that as an indie and do it properly, um, and it just takes learning a couple things, then that's a chunk of money, like monthly or, or so. And then the second thing I was talking about with sync licensing is I'm saying so sync licensing just means you get your music placed into a movie or a TV show or a commercial oh, where God. it gets synced up with a visual of a film usually. Um, and you know what? Music supervisors who are the people who decide like the soundtracks for movies, they like working with indie musicians. It's one of the biggest advantages we have and they like it because we usually own 200% of our music, like both sides of the copyright. So we get to do less paperwork. They're, they they don't need usually like a Selena Gomez song or something to like make the movie better. They just need the right song that matches the emotion of the, the moment. Right, right. And they know usually when they work with indie musicians, they're quick to respond because they're over eager and they're um, going to just sign everything off real quickly as opposed to like, having the music supervisor has to go to Warner and to the publishing company and get a bunch of things signed and cleared. So um, sync licensing is something that indies can make insane amounts of money on because you get money up front and like you know, cash down. And you also, for some things, a lot of things you get um, uh, things in perpetuity, like in syndication. So for example, when people write jingles, I need you to remember I, I tell everybody this. Anybody who's written a jingle is filthy rich, like for the rest of their life. <laughs> like a jingle on, I always talk about this. With, I have one song called Seinfeld, and like the Seinfeld jingle writers, they're rich. They're they're the most. They're some of the richest people in all of Hollywood. Anyway, so there's those are like two of the things. All the publishing, doing that properly with royalty collection, then sync licensing. They're doable. They're doable if you don't want to do social media a lot, which a lot of people don't. We all get that. Um, and they're doable if you just want to stay at home. You don't want to have to go on tour, or you can't. Maybe you have kids. I don't know. Um, I get really excited about these things. I love talking about them so much. And I know, like, I didn't know we were going to talk about business stuff because we were going to talk about my album and all I that. But I was, I, I was going to segue into your album. I just didn't know where to. <laughs> well, I listen to you guys and so I, much, and so I, 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 and I like, like I, I like talking about this stuff. That's the problem because I'm a business person. I mean, you know, like I, I mean, I, I love so. it. I, I'd love to hear. It. That's why I, I try not to. I just try to have a, a loose kind of outline. I, but the conversation goes where it goes. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know, we don't have any standard we go by or anything. But uh, yeah, no, and, this is awesome. No. You're, you're, I'm I learning. Listen. You're you're schooling me up. I'm I'm virtually brand new to this again as an adult versus as a early twenty something. So well, <laughs> I kind of knew that from listening to the podcast enough to know that you guys are interested in all the the behind the scenes because you're working with locals. And I'll just kind of wrap up that mic stuff by saying like, I do that on the side. Like this malaise is like what I've always tried to do. It's why I made the process manual for Mike. So. All that that is at this point is like I put the mountain on the website so people can read it if they want or not. It's just there and we don't charge or anything. And then I sometimes do consulting and I have clients and stuff like that. But otherwise, I like don't care enough to monetize it because I don't have enough hours in the day to like just make a YouTube channel for it and push it on TikTok. So it's like a very it's a very philanthropic like thing I care about. So it's up on the website. And if you ever want to read it, either of you could. But malaise is really like everything that i let up for so this is what i like spend 
so many hours on every single day. All Holy right. Crap. Well, let's let's go right into <laughs> it. Um, where did uh, where did the uh, the creative process or the idea for the new album uh, come uh, start? What were the seeds for that? <laughs> That's such a good question because you're an electrician. I <laughs> I grew up um, with my dad's a carpenter. Mm, my brother is now steam fitter. Um, my next door neighbor was like my extra grandpa, and he was a carpenter. And we would play every morning on summer break in um, his little gar- garage wo- workshop that he worked in every day till he was 106. And he built all oh the houses gosh. in the neighborhood. And I always took a lot of tech ed classes when I wasn't using credits up on um, music. And they're like junior high and high school. And then um, I worked at U.S. Steel for uh, a stint to raise all the money for my music career um, ventures. And so I have this big love for trades and the world of factories and workshops and the sounds of saws and the smell of like, you know, sawdust and oil and all that kind of stuff. And um, I also have this weird penchant for power towers along the highway. I can just like stare at those for like an entire drive. Um, and and the, the, the aesthetic of power lines against hardscape, all that. So all this kind of gritty, oily factory conveyor belts, everything. I've always wanted to do an album that was that aesthetic um, and not just visually, but also orally. So the inspiration for this album is all of that. And I took my like experimental beat making that I do um, and I made that come to life. All I do, I write songs all the time on the piano because I'm always writing in notebooks on my feelings. And then I sit down and I write those feelings into songs and it's so fun. I love, that's my primary thing is my piano singer songwriting, um, songwritering. And then I will take some of those songs and it, I mean, some of them, most of them don't ever see the light of day. I write way too many. But some of them I go and I produce them fully and I'll add um, different instruments and different experimental sounds, especially. I really like soundscapes um, and, I, and I, I really care about songs feeling a certain way. And sometimes sounds are the only thing that can ha- make that happen, like this factory feeling. So um, and I also work with Andrew and he is amazing with helping me add certain guitar sounds. He's a really amazing guitarist, as you know, if anybody has listened to that episode um, here at Local Earshop 4. Um, he's an amazing guitarist and drummer and also another beat maker. So we collab on things. But if you listen to this album, you'll see from the very first moment it starts, I cre- was able to create this like soundscape. Like I keep saying it like scoops you or swoops you up into a factory in the clouds. So it's this very like ethereal. It starts off with an intro that's this very extended long introduction of factory sounds and amazing guitar and loads of piano riffs um, and a foreman shouts at the beginning. It's just, it's so cool. So I throw in a lot of instrumentals into this album too, because I like to just be able to sit in instrumentals and not have to be thinking about lyrics sometimes. Um, And I do primarily love playing the piano um, along with my writing. That is one thing I've always fallen short on in my creative process is lyrics, lyric writing, like, I chords will. I'm a guitar player, and chords will fall out all the time. People will be like, "That's beautiful" or "That's awesome," but if you try and ask me to put a melody to it with words, it's I usually fall fall short. So, do do you do you have just some you know pick a, a 
intervals and go with that and then put words to it? Or do you, when you write words, do you actually hear a melody in your head? I'm just trying to kind of get an idea of your creative process because it's everybody's is so different than mine. I think yeah. I might have something wrong with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, no, everybody is just so different. Mine's weird because um, I every once in a while I'll write a song where I hear the melody at the same time or something, um, but that's pretty rare. Usually, what I do is two things: one. I'm always recording demos on my phone when I'm like half asleep because I wake up from a dream and I'm singing something that I wrote in the dream. These are like drunken sounding hilarious demos <laughs> where I'm like, oh, they're really funny. But I, I, I always save like riff ideas that way, like hooks and stuff. And I'll sit down. Usually the second thing is I'll sit down at a piano after I've written pages. Usually I'll get like in the zone and I'll have a write that is like just page after page, almost like poetry or just like weird abstract writing. Right. And I'll sit with the piano and that's when I start toying around, come up with some riffs or I use some of those demos and like take those riffs. And then I start picking through those pages of words, like just plucking a line out here and there, reconstructuring, reconfiguring, like really building, like crafting a whole new thing. So that what started as poetry is now like just <laughs> destroyed, like crossed out and everything. And now it's turned into a song form of it. Um, Cause you know, like some words don't sound good sung. Certain phrases sound clunky or clash. So it's all, that's why I'm always like picking and pruning and jumping around. I got a lot of ammo. Yeah. Pick them out, line them up. Yeah. Well, and yeah. ultimately the song is going to be up to the listener to, fill in all the gaps you know it means to them what it means to them and it doesn't matter what it means to the person who wrote it you know it means what it wrote what it means to them but when you play it for them it's it's theirs now you know that's my favorite thing that is the most freeing thing that like nobody gives a shit why you wrote that your story like it's yours enjoy it. yeah that's cool but like at the moment it's out not yours anymore it's not yours ah, yeah free freedom oh i love it well on that uh would you like to uh play a few of your songs here we'll uh, uh we'll we'll cut them in here and then uh yeah what do you think yeah do this first one because the music video just came out today for it all right so how many things are dropping today is the album and the video <laughs> yeah <laughs> <All right. laughs> well the album is called front matter correct Yes. Okay. Um, so, what are the the um, what are we gonna play? I wrote them down here. So, I'll let you say them because I don't know because there are several words. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this first one is called Scream slash Five Twenty Nine slash Spine. Do your windows still fit in nothing more than an undershirt fit For a man in your like you almost had it that time before I could, I almost had it, I could, I could Do your windows still sit in nothing more than an undershirt fit For a man in your like you almost had it that time before I could, I almost had it, I could, I almost had it It's a problem, it's a rush and it's fine with the master hook It's a dream like it's a drug it's a problem, it's a rush, and it's fired up in my stomach. It's a dreamland, it's a drug. Oh, oh, oh. 
Shine in the moonlight, it's 529 to want to die to get to meet again. And I could. For a man in your like you almost had it That time before I could I almost had it I could almost had it Do you wonder so in nothing more than an undershirt fit For a man in your like you almost had it That time before I could almost had it I could almost had it It's a problem It's a rush and it's back up in my stomach It's a dream when it's a drug I almost had it It's a problem It's a rush and it's back up in my stomach It's a dream when it's a drug <laughs> Writing in the moonlight, it's 529 to want to die to get to meet again And I could tear down I almost had I could clear I almost had I could say no So that was Scream slash 529 slash Spine. I don't want to tell you why it's so many words. Go for it. So, do you know what front matter is? Um, I mean, outside of the phrase, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, if you open up a book, the f- section at the beginning that has like the title page the table of contents, that kind of stuff. That's all the front matter of a book. So the reason the title of that song is Scream slash 5.9 slash Spine is because every single track on this album is a different piece of front matter in the book. So in that case, I kind of just considered the spine of the book like the front matter. And that's why another song that we're going to listen to is called Projection Room slash Gutter. Because the gutter is the opposite of the spine. It's like where you drop crumbs into when you're reading a book. Alrighty, I actually got that one right here.
And I refuse to sit through a movie that I didn't choose So if I say I need you to get to the projection room Then can you meet me there tonight? I got the menu order right Can you meet me there tonight? I got the menu order right And I think you need to sit through a movie that you didn't choose So if I say you need you to get to the projection room Then can you meet me there tonight? I got the menu order right The default B-roll Super 8 hijacked by some old dirty tapes To the ending stolen from What we had no control of Intellect alluring And does he know what I see in him? The angles that I shot the film From the velvet chair To the room upstairs Refuse to sit through a movie that I didn't choose So if I say I need you to get to the projection room Then can you meet me there tonight? I got the menu order right Can you meet me there tonight? I got the menu order right and I think you need to sit through a movie that you didn't choose So if I say you need you to get to the projection room Then can you meet me there tonight? I got the menu order right The default B-roll Super 8 hijacked by some old dirty tapes To the ending stolen from what we had no control of I've always been so curious Intellect alluring And does he know what I see in him? The angles that I shot the film From the velvet chair To the room upstairs Y'all have legal with marijuana in Indiana? Legal, no. Oh yeah, we have it, but not legal. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, being an Oklahoman and knowing like the religious right and everything growing up here. It it was amazing that I was like, wow, we act, they actually voted it in. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Good for you. <laughs> Very happy for you. Yeah. Y'all ought to get on that, you know. <laughs> yeah. There you go. See. Oh. <laughs> so, All right. I had to fix the camera. That was Sorry, projection little. room slash gutter. I, that that one. It's it's. I'm curious now that you said that some of your inspiration is like mechanical sounds and devices, and it, it's one of that. When I heard that song, I was like, the piano comes in, and it sounds seems like, you know, your your ear tends to fall into that four four kind of rhythm and then when the percussion and the vocal comes in it it kind of throws you off and it's it's how but it it doesn't it's in time but you're it's just it's one of those songs that kind of does that <laughs> it, it it takes it kind of takes you for a little ride and then you got to readjust you know I, I, that's funny that you said that your inspiration was 
mechanical devices. I can definitely hear it on that one. It's got a lot of staccato feel to it. Yeah, I love, I love that you say that. That's cool. Um, well, I also I grew up in, in a lot of rock and metal and emo, and because like, I grew up in the what uh, in the two thousands. And so I had a, there was especially this one Anne Berlin album called Cities that used sounds in the same way that I like to to create that like feeling. Um, and since I love rock so much, but I, think about it, I grew up as a piano player listening to like a ton of different kinds of rock. I would always over kind of make the overall feel that rock has. And I would try and sing louder, but I don't actually have that belty of like a screamo voice or anything. So I couldn't even get that sound. So it left me with this kind of, I'm pretty happy about it, kind of like cool skill of I can play really complex, cool patterns with the piano. And I also know how to do different techniques with my voice because I was trying so hard to, you know, stretch my limits. Um, But at the end of the day, even though I didn't get to have like a rock band type of feeling overall, I do have enough understanding of how to beat make and do weird musical stuff that I was still able to come up with kind of like a indie rock feeling with Andrew through this album, even though I don't have a full band. And I know some people like shit on Dawes and how we can beat make and all that, but like, it makes me so happy and fulfilled as a musician that I couldn't find a full band to do this album, but I was able to get it, you know? Right. Well, thanks technology. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that goes back to just people that are able to make albums out of their bedroom or living room and, and really make some polished sounding, very good sounding uh, records. Some, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, learning well, how also, to go ahead. I'm sorry. Good. No, no, no. I was going to say, I'm also lucky because Andrew is doing a lot of live guitar and drums. Not everything's automated beat made, but some people are doing that and they can make it sound even authentic with intentional mistakes. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's hell. The, the digital, uh, on, I don't know, just the technology is, is even getting me and I'm, I'm a hardcore I want a big tube amp and a Les Paul or whatever, and just turn it up. It'll sound good. And, and more and more, the plugins and the full digital technology is just—they're—they're uh, they're winning the—they're winning the war. You know, they lost the battles back in the '90s, but I think they're going to ultimately <laughs> prevail with what you can do. It's—it's it's amazing. Yeah. Well, we got one more. One more song. How about one more song? Sure, this one's like a little bit of a heartbreaker. I like to say this is for anybody who's ever been truly wrecked. He's edge of the bed, elbows and knees, hands to head. He's holding something edge of the bed. She never left, still in his teeth. She's holding something edge of the bed Just not strong enough to see Where do you go? Where do you go? Am I waiting here alone or do you know I'm by your side? 
I have a, in addition to the factory theme and the book front matter theme, I also have a strong men's uh, white v-neck undershirt theme because they're like my favorite things to wear. So like, (laughs) I uh, also like insomnia is something that really is like prevalent in me writing a lot of these songs. So I was always wearing that shirt. So that's like, that's important to me. Your te- your your undershirt. <laughs> well, um, where was the? Uh, I guess the inspiration or creative process for for that one. That was definitely a change of, of pace. Um, I, I wouldn't quite maybe say all out ballad, but slower. Mm-hmm. I like I, I. You know how some people ask the question like what inspired you asked me that question like what inspired you you said what inspired this album but um 
I've always kind of thought about it. And like, I don't have in general certain artists across my life or bands that I, I always look up to. I really bounce around a lot, like a lot of us do nowadays, right? But um, what always did inspire me is the phenomenon that pretty much, no matter who you're listening to, no matter who the genre is, no matter what time of history it is, pretty much everybody will have albums that suddenly throw in a heartbreaker song or like it throws in a sad song like that most albums need at least one sad song i'm sure sometimes it's a marketing ploy but well through for the most part hair metal days for sure (laughs) that was yeah (laughs) but they're great (laughs) songs i mean what are you gonna do (laughs) doesn't it also kind of like tap into something very true and universal about humans that no matter what our brand, you know, is, whatever it is, we still have that, like, moment of, like, deep tenderness and, like, vulnerability or something that's so human and sad. And we want to be sad? I don't really totally understand it. I think about it all the time. But so I was always inspired by those songs. Like, I would always hunt those down on any album. Um, and so some of my favorite, you know, personal playlists over the years are just those deep cuts of the sad songs throughout it all. Cause I just think it, I don't know, it's just so weird. So um, I actually, honestly, I mostly play that kind of stuff. Like when I'm doing live shows around town or whenever I'm just playing around here at home, um, it's not the fully produced high energy stuff that makes it onto an album like this. I really love playing the stuff that I can just sit on stage with my piano on my lap and just get to that sad, deep, place as if you're just like floating out in space and create that feeling for the audience and me like it's we I get to hold everybody in the palm of my hand with me for that and that is actually sometimes hard to translate onto an album but I think ISBN kind of does it that one I love I love that song there yeah you're right there's there's definitely something about those songs there's an artist out of Oklahoma out of Tulsa that I'm a huge fan of and mostly acoustic but his songs are, uh, I don't know, 90% of them are heartbreakers. And mm-hmm. they're just super heavy. John Moreland is his name. If you feel uh, obliged to check him out after this, uh, grab the tissues. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, I love that kind of music. Oh, it's, it, I always, <laughs> well, I got to see him uh, live here in Oklahoma uh, about a month ago, I guess. And uh, I, I told my wife i was like yeah this guy he's got those songs i say they'll break your heart in three chords or less and that is no joke <laughs> well i like i like that phrase oh i like well, that quote i smell a, a hit song there let's do this thing let's do this <laughs> <laughs> if i ever take that line i will tell you and give you songwriting credit amen let's do that <laughs> well um I guess we're probably about ready to wrap this up. I'll uh, we will definitely push your new album coming out today, Front Matter. Um, is there a, is there a, like an actual single you're releasing uh, to promote, or are you just putting the album out and saying this is here? Here you go. Mm-hmm. I did singles the past pretty much like four weeks, essentially. I'm um, sorry, I had four singles come out ahead of time. So today the album came out, and I. I released the music video for one of the singles today and that's scream 529 is fine. Um, and the one thing I would like to add to is like this album front matter is the third in a series that I've been doing for years. Um, that I'm, I mean, I I was saying before, like I've been writing since I was really little, I was like 
as business gung ho and excited as I was about this whole career, I was pretty shy for a while. I didn't share it all. So when I finally started releasing this particular series, it's been a long time coming. Like it's real developed. And what it is, is it's a deconstructed book. So the first album was represent, it's called Carnegie Stacks. It represented walking into the stacks of the library. The second album was called A Note on the Author because you would like have a book, you pull off the shelf and you'd look at like the dust jacket and there's a note on the author. And you'd read that. This third album is called Front Matter because it's like you're standing in the stacks, you open the book up and you're looking through the front matter. And then there's so many albums after this that I'm going to be doing over the next few years. Um, you're about making an album like, of albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it because some of these songs are like super old. Some of them are new. It's time traveling. It's great. That's awesome. It. That's Thanks. cool. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Well, um, is there anything else you would like us to promote or tell the, the fans of local music that listen to us here in Oklahoma or anything else um, that that you want to send out there before we wrap it up? I don't know. I, I think you guys do such a good job with it because you, you talk about things like definitions of success or like what success means to you individually. Even like Jonathan, you were saying yours uh, personally, even though you're not a musician, like we humans, we really do need to think about what success means to us. And I think you guys just already do a really good job about that. I, a job with that because that's something that all musicians need to be reminded of all the time in this industry that kind of tries to brainwash us and poison us thinking we should look or be or achieve a certain random ass things like they're really random things, and everybody has different opinions so there really isn't this like making it illusion most people are kind of sick sick by it so the i think the definition of success defining life for yourself defining success for yourself is so important you're already doing that with this podcast so That's just awesome. yeah keep on i appreciate appreciate that, that a lot yeah yeah Honestly, and that's yeah. that's one thing, you know, that's one thing me and my wife say to each other all the time is like, when you get and throw you in the box at the end, you know, nobody's typically says, <laughs> boy, that guy made a lot of money. You know, it's just not <laughs> something that you hear, even if it's somebody who did make a lot of money. That's not something that they say or put on the tombstone. So that's kind of my philosophy of life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. <Dark. laughs> But accurate as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on Malays. Uh, we'll we will post the links and we will promote this and we will hopefully get you some some listening ears down here in Oklahoma. This has been so great. Thank you so much. Can all I take right. a screenshot so I can promote it on my social media? Sure. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It's Boom. like smile. There great. You go. Cool. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank, all right, thank you. you. See you later. Yeah.